Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It was definitely a hard thing, and I think it is such a betrayal for a spouse to, to go through um, what we're walking through. And um, it was hard. It was hard to realize that it was such a public thing. And so not only was it, was it a betrayal against me, but it was also a betrayal for those that call themselves Christian because here we were as a Christian couple. Everyone was able to see us get married and, and to vow before God to be loyal to each other. And that loyalty was broken. Um, and so, um, you know, for my heart, it was just like, how, you know, how could, how could this happen in our marriage? Josh was my first love. He's my one and only. Um, but I knew that my only hope was to cling to my faith because I know if I went off of what I was feeling, I would turn a mess into a disaster. And so I think in the stun and in the shock of everything, I was just praying God help help me to know how to respond to all of this. You know, I, I didn't know what to do. I knew we needed help. And I was just praying that God would give the, the help and the wisdom that we needed to know how to take the next step. Let's talk about Josh Duggar and the Duggar family at large. Just a perpetual pervert who continues to be failed by his family, his religion, and their need for political power. I ugh, I just find, obviously, I mean, it goes without saying that I find this whole situation absolutely disgusting. Um, 
I am sure that a lot of podcasts are going to be talking about this. So my choice was to kind of go back through the timeline with reference to the show and you guys, I even watched an hour plus of the interview that Jim, Bob, and Michelle, and also Jessa and Jill did with Megan Kelly. Megan, Santa Claus is white, Kelly. So, I mean, you're welcome, because that was really tough for me. Um, I mean, I gotta say, like, comparatively... Megan Kelly is practically like a socialist compared to the Duggars in this interview. So, I mean, I guess there was that. She wasn't like a complete monster in this instance, but, you know, you know, whatever. Um, so we got to like go back to really talk about how we got to this place. Well, how Josh got to this place. I'm not in the place of Josh. Okay. Not. I, here's, here's my thing. Clearly, this is, like, a very sensitive issue. Clearly, you know, there are a lot of victims. It's something that I, like, really want to be delicate and sensitive about. Um, But I also... I feel an ounce of empathy for Josh because I just don't think that this seemed like an inevitability, right? It just seemed like nobody who should have been in charge of his care and his well-being and getting him the help that he so desperately needed and needs at this time. Um, Everybody has failed this man. He is absolutely responsible for every decision that he has made. However, I think that there are systems that could have been in place for him that could have brought us to a, not this inevitability. It just like, there is a small part of me that is just like, I think about, gosh, what if I was in this position? What if I had like a, just like a horrific sex addiction addiction, and a, you know... It, it it just is like, I would be so disgusted with myself. I would be so ashamed of myself. I would just like, I don't know. I mean, all of this is just like so vile, you know? But there was a time where his parents could have done a lot of things and they chose not to. And so it's fuck Jim, Bob, and Michelle for life on that one. Um, so let's let's just talk about what... Let's go through the timeline, okay? Um, 2002. Jim Bob runs for Senate in Arkansas. Um, This got... He got a lot of attention because they had a bunch of kids at this time. Um, They were very clearly, like, out here in these streets and, like, permed hair and teased hair and, you know, like, uh, bib bib dresses, you know, it was just a lot. It was a lot of look. So they got attention for that, right? Um, Like I said, this was 2002 that Jim Bob ran for Senate. I mean, if I'm going to get one petty joke in, I would say that the first issue with this family is that this man insists on being named or referred to as Jim Bob. Like, that's a real choice, you know? Um, 
so, you know, uh, attention started being drawn. Not so much to Jim Bob, but more Michelle for being, you know, the vessel for all of these, this litter of children, right? Um, so they're getting like little bits of clout and attention and uh, magazine articles and speaking engagements and things like that. So also around this time, Josh is about 14 years old. And this would be the time that he started to um, inappropriately touch and molest his sisters and a family friend. Four sisters and a family friend. Um, according to this interview with Megan Kelly, both Jim Bob and Michelle allege that Josh confessed this information to them and they took him along with a witness um, to the police station where Josh admitted to what he had done. So Jim Bob says that what they did was simply walk into the police headquarters and they spoke to the police officer that happened to be there. Now, um, according to Michelle, that police officer then put the fear of God into Josh. Um, if you guys don't know that police officer years later would be accused of possessing images of child sex abuse. Now flag on the play right now. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that we don't use the term or the phrase child pornography anymore in, uh, to describe what these people possess and, and give out and receive. It is images of child sex abuse. Um, you know, pornography, I believe would, uh, you know, it's kind of like calling, you know, an underage girl, like an underage prostitute. Like there's a, um, a, uh, consent that would have to be applied and it, you know, you can't apply that to children, you know? So images of child sex abuse is what I'm going to be referring to it from here on out. So like I said, that police officer was possessing images of child sex abuse on his own. He has been in jail for quite some time. He was in jail, um, at the time of this interview, which was June of 2015. And he was sentenced to 56 years for his possession of those images. Um, Jim Bob claims that they did not know this man. They didn't like those allegations and his conviction came out years after they had spoken to him. It was just like a sick kind of irony that this was the man that they ended up talking to. And they said that he told Josh that he, um, you know, this is, uh, an issue and a problem that you could eventually go to jail for. So I guess he knew more than anybody, didn't he? This man happened to speak from jail and he told people that they had only reported or that Josh had only copped to one claim of uh, sexual abuse. However, Jim Bob and Michelle are adamant of the fact that Josh told them absolutely everything. Okay. Um, then Jim Bob explains to, Mich uh, to uh, uh, Megan Kelly that they were under the impression that in going to the police, that there would be some sort of formal charges filed, that some sort of discipline would have happened. So, they waited weeks and then months. Nothing happened. Apparently nothing was filed. And they moved on with their lives. But plot twist, you guys. This was not the first time that Josh had told 
Jim Bob and Michelle about what he had done. Jim Bob claims that the reason why they didn't do something the first time is because they had gone to a center for sex offenders and those people told them that the success rate for reforming these people is not high. So what did they do? Absolutely nothing. And Josh continued. Cut to 2006. There's more and more um, attention growing towards the family to the point where they are asked to go on the Oprah Winfrey show. So Jill and Jessa do claim, they do say that it's not like the things that Josh had done were not, it was like an open secret. There were people who knew, there were, you know, church members who knew knew because Josh was doing his testimony wasn't something that was necessarily it wasn't like a completely private matter there had been rumblings about Josh's um you know uh, abuse for years leading up to to 2015 where the um uh actual like files had been released to the public so back to 2006 the Duggars are asked to go on the Oprah show, but somebody caught wind of that, wrote a letter to uh, Oprah or the Oprah show and said, basically, girl, don't play yourself. Here's the truth about this family. Here's what they've done. Um, the Oprah show then uh, uh, reported to Arkansas and at that point, it became a more formal legal situation. However, there was a statute of limitations that had passed. And that is the reason why Josh never got formally charged for his abuse of his sisters and the family friend. It's worth noting that the statute of limitations for this, three years, three years. <laughs> I don't know if I didn't look and see if those laws had changed, but... For it to only be three years for to have a victim have a window of time in which they can seek justice for the abuse that happened to them, that is fucking wild. That is not enough time. And I don't know why they should even have a statute of limitations when it comes to sexual abuse, particularly when it comes to the sexual abuse of children and minors. That is wild to me. So the obvious question at this point would be, why would the Duggars move forward with having a television show knowing that, you know, what had happened in their past? So Jim Bob claims that they had nothing to hide and they had taken care of all of that years before and the children had had counseling, including Josh and their both Jim Bob and Michelle and Jill and Jessa say, oh, you know, Josh paid for his own counseling. Okay. Like as if that's some sort of sign that he is was really taking it seriously, whatever. Um, and they had gotten a clean bill of health from the state. They had declared the house to be a fit home for children to be in. Everything was fine. But then Jim Bob, you know, you always got to listen to, here's what you do with liars. Y'all just let them talk because they will always reveal the truth. If you let them talk enough and they always, you know, they always want to talk when they're both narcissists and perpetual liars like Jim Bob is. So when he really tells the truth is he says 
you know, because the victims were minors, that all of these claims, all of those files were going to be sealed to never see the light of day again. So they thought that because they were totally reassured that these files would never come out, that is the reason why they moved forward. Because nobody would be able to pull receipts on them. Not because the whole family had been in counseling and everything was great and we're just living our best Christian lives. No, it's because they didn't think that it would come out. So like I said, there have been pretty loud whispers about Josh's abuse over the years. Nothing officially came out until 2015. This was nine seasons into 17, 18, 19 kids and counting, right? This information was released by a police chief and both Jim Bob and Michelle plant the seed that perhaps this police chief had an agenda or maybe that she was bribed to release that information. They seem very angry about this, not for really the victims. It's worth noting really more for themselves and more for Josh. If we're being really honest and keeping it 100. So they think that like they there was just like something going on so jim bob then claims that josh had an encounter with that police chief at some point in time he tried to shake her hand she denied him and turned her back on josh he also claims that this police chief was about to retire and she had claimed i don't know how he heard this but he alleges that her claim was like oh i'm about to retire and um you know there are some things on my list that i want to check off before i do so and jim bob says that they believe that releasing that information was one of those things that she was going to check off her list so they really make it seem like she is just like a vindictive jezebel who had it out for them now i would be on their side because these abuse abuses happened to minors. They have the right to privacy. 1000%. However, this is not how Jim Bob and Michelle really are trying to write the history or write the story. It's like their anger really seems to be about it coming out to them. Like it's all roads lead back to like how they are hurt, how they were wronged. Not so much about the girls. And like I said, more so about Josh. Like all of this was like some sort of agenda against them and that hoes are mad and the haters come a popping. Okay. Their anger is not rooted in the protection of these victims, their daughters. They're just pissed that they got exposed. So around this time, like right before the um, files were released, there was a clear and blatant political agenda that the family was pushing, including Michelle recording a photo, uh, a robocall rather, that was very anti-trans and wanted to enact a bill in which trans people, you know, basically have to, I mean, it's what you expect, like, oh, why don't we think about the children and these poor girls? And, you know, what are we going to do if if this bill isn't enacted and this law isn't enacted, then, you know, there are going to be men that are going to be predators on these little children and they'll use 
you know, they'll try to use this to go into girls' bathrooms and girls' locker rooms and, and you know, try to creep on little girls, right? <laughs> so, you know, Jim Bob interjects, because Megan uses the term child molesters, that, that allegedly Michelle used the term child molesters in this robocall. Jim Bob interjects and says, you know, technically, Michelle used the term pedophile, and it's not um, hypocritical that she did that robocall because Josh isn't a pedophile because by definition, a pedophile is an adult preying on children. And the rule is that the pedophile has to be at least 16 to get that label. But Josh was just a child because he was only 14 and 15 at the time. (sighs) I mean, do you just want to scream into a pillow? My God. I mean... Girl, sir, Jim Bob, James Robert, come on, come on. I am so sick, you guys, of people trying to infantilize people who have blatantly done something wrong. Yes, he is a kid, but if you're going to say, I mean, you could have really kept that part out. They're like, he wouldn't be a pedophile because you have to be a, you have to be at least 16 years old, but he was 15. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Jim Bob. Sorry, James. Okay. Um, So Jim Bob at one point talks about how, you know, the real and the bigger story should not be what happened, i.e. what Josh did, that the story should be that the, the fact that the records were released. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, what Josh did is a big deal, but, you know, we're just really mad that these records were released. But again, like I'm telling you guys, they weren't mad that they were released on behalf of the victims. They were mad that they got caught, um, you know, with something that they thought would never come out. It's nothing to do with their daughters who are the victims. There was really only one point where they express any sort of empathy or sympathy for their daughters, because it always goes back to Josh and how his privacy was invaded. Even when prompted, they kind of skirt the issue and divert it to back to how Josh was wrong. The only time it was ever really mentioned is when Michelle said, you know, the news dropping out, news coming out was more damaging to them than what actually happened to them. Because they didn't even really know what happened or that they may have been sexually abused until they were told back in 2003. Jessa and Jill do confirm that later. So we'll talk about what they did and did not know about their abuse. Um, So prior to that was really all we saw of um, Jim Bob and Michelle. But I will go back to a couple things that they mentioned. But So they did two separate interviews. They interviewed Jim Bob and Michelle, and then they interviewed Jill and Jessa separate times. So prior to showing the interview that um, Megan did with Jill and Jessa, Megan gives out some statistics. She says that three out of four times when a child is sexually abused, it is by somebody that they know that typically those abusers are males between the ages of 12 and 14. Sorry, you guys. I don't know why my voice is going out. 
And then she also says that according to like a DOJ Department of Justice study that between 85 and 90% of those offenders are never arrested for sex crimes again. So, um, we start off with the interview with Jessa and Jill. They made the decision to be sort of like the spokeswomen and like speak out about what happened, right? Um, Jessa starts off flat out by saying, it's wrong to refer to Josh as a rapist or a child molester or a pedophile and says that he was just a young boy who was a little too curious about girls and he made a mistake. I'm not going to criticize anything that Jill and Jessa said because they're the victims. This is their story. This is their truth. However, it's clear in this interview that they, I don't think a lot of the opinions and feelings they have are those that are of their individual thought. It seems very coached and we all know, if you know anything about the Duggars, that they're this brand of fundamentalist Christian that is very quick to blame girls and women for being temptations and there's a lot of shame surrounding any sort of sexual things that happen men and boys never really get any sort of uh, punishment or ever really held to account for their actions it's always like yeah what you did was wrong but how they move forward is always like placing the responsibility on these girls and women to you know desexualize themselves not do anything that would be you know temptation you know modesty 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 so that they're not ever doing anything that would cause a man to be tempted or a boy um or to do something inappropriate all the onus almost always goes back on these girls for basically being these like vessels of sexuality that don't do anything you know that are constantly having to uh, you know, cover themselves both emotionally and physically so that these men and boys are not tempted by them. So Jill and Jessica will say that the extent of their abuse was just mild, inappropriate touching that the victims were typically all fully clothed and they were mostly the things that Josh did were mostly things that he did while the girls were asleep. They agreed, you know, they had nothing, they had no idea about what happened to them until Josh confessed to Jim Bob and Michelle, and then Jim Bob and Michelle both took each girl aside individually and told them what happened to them. Jill then says that she can't speak for the other victims, but that Josh reached out to her and spoke to her personally and asked for forgiveness and she says you know i made the choice to forgive him but you know her initial reaction and feelings to finding out the news was you know some version of anger not the anger that we're allowed to feel or people who are allowed to express their emotions are really feeling it's like a you know a a fundamentalist christian slash dugger feeling of anger you know um just at one point 
uses the word sly to describe Josh's actions and that he would, in her words, get a quick feel when the girls were asleep, but then says that there were also times where some of the victims were awake. And I'm assuming that those victims that were awake were probably much younger and probably not able to express themselves and say what happened to them. This is my, just my assumption. So the times that the girls were awake, that he would just do things that like they weren't really aware that were inappropriate. Jessa says, you know, it wasn't a house of horrors and in touch weekly did use the term house of horrors um, when they broke the news of what happened. And Jessa just says that, that it's a ridiculous thing to say. So Josh went to some sort of, you know, reform situation. They say there was like a window of time between the confession and him going off to that reform work camp, whatever. Um, they say, you know, like we were really young. We don't know how long that period of time was, but it didn't feel like very long. Jill and Jessa Jessa both agree that Josh was incredibly repentant when he got back from that work camp, whatever, therapy or whatever, and it felt like he was a completely different person. They can't really describe what made it feel that way. They just said it just felt like a shift. So Jill starts talking about how, you know, it wasn't like Josh asked for forgiveness and then everything was fine. It was a process for them. Starting off with him asking for forgiveness, then they moved on to setting up boundaries for everybody in the house, and at that point, they were able to rebuild trust with him. So, in addition to that, there were also safeguards put in place for the entire family, including, you know, don't, none of the children are allowed to sit on the laps of men, unless it was Jim Bob, um... No kids are not allowed to go play hide and seek and like pair off and go together. They're not allowed to be in, um, you know, bedrooms together alone. Um, they did not allow boys to babysit girls. They were locking the doors before bedtime and making sure everybody was in the bed, that sort of thing. Um, ironically, Megan finalizes the interview by asking Jill and Jessa, Is there anything that you think might come out? Do you think there's another scandal on the horizon? Jill and Jessa both laugh and they're like, of course not. So the allegations came out, those um, files came out in May of 2015. The interview happened in June of 2015. And then in August of 2015, the Ashley Madison scandal broke. So at this time in 2015, Josh was working for NDC. He and Anna were in DC. Um, He was working for the Family Research Council, a lobbyist group that is like incredibly anti-LGBT, you know, uh, family values, that sort of thing. Just like the worst of the worst in terms of like conservative political opinion, right? Um they didn't have him fired or he did not resign after the molestation claims come out, 
but he did resign after the Ashley Madison scandal came out. So allegedly, well, not allegedly, you know, Josh had had a fake Facebook profile. He was catfishing using somebody else's picture. I think that guy sued him. Um, there are claims that he hired a sex worker. There are claims that he, you know, had an extramarital affair in addition to that sex worker that he was just like, you know, really into some creep shit. Right. And he also copped to a porn addiction around that time, an online internet porn addiction. So, you know, 19 kids accounting is put on the shelves. And then we get a repackaged form of 19 kids and counting called Jill and Jessa counting on that comes out in December of 2015. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, what I found very interesting is I watched the first two episodes of season one. Uh, Jill and Jessa at this point are both married... Jill has just had a child. Jess has got one on the way. And um, we're seeing a different Jill. I, I will say that. The Jill that we saw during this Megyn Kelly interview is very different from the Jill that we see in these first couple of episodes. So to set the scene, she and her husband are doing missionary work in El Salvador. They're kind of back and forth between Central America and Arkansas. And like I said, uh, Jessa's got a kid on the way. So the episodes are very interesting because they juxtapose your typical tater tot casserole scented Duggar content with, oh, you know, we're in this new season of life and, and isn't life great? And we're having a going away party for, um, Jill and, um, you know, Jess is about to have her sweet little baby Spurgeon and things are great. Countered with individual interviews of Jill, Jessa, John David, Joanna, um, a couple of the other kids, um, you know, typically like the first six older kids, Jana, all of them. So in those interviews, they're talking about, you know, 
what it talked to us about the last four months. What has happened? What has it been like for you? What has life been like? How are you feeling? And it's worth saying again that I'm, again, like not critical at all as to how these victims are expressing their feelings about what happened to them and the abuse that happened to them. But I will say that it seemed like Jill is angry in the real sort of anger. It seems like Jill has had actual therapy done by an an accredited medical professional. Jessa seems to be a lot more like light and bright about the whole situation. Not that she's taking it lightly. It's just that it feels a lot more like Jill is sitting in this anger and they bring it, they ask an excellent question of, okay, you did this interview. You publicly defended your brother who did these horrific things to you. And then two months later, you find out he cheated on his wife. He has a porn addiction. So how do you feel about that? And Jessa gives like a very Duggar-esque glazing over like, yeah, it's really unfortunate. And Jill is like, I feel duped. Basically, like I, if I had known, I would not have gotten up there and defended my brother that abused me. And I am angry. It seems very much like she's angry. Good on her for that. Good on her for actually getting the therapy that she needed because the anger that she feels is completely justified. John David at one point talks about how as an older brother, you have a duty to be an example for your younger siblings and your younger brothers in particular, because they watch everything you do and they want to be exactly like you. And that that's how he felt about Josh. And one of the hardest times in his life was having to tell Josh, I don't want to be like you anymore. And yeah, I just, Jill's really angry and it's very sad, but it's also worth watching to see it, but also because Jill has been on the outs with this family, it seems like Jill went rogue, you know? And it seems like this may have been the first step into why she no longer is all that close with the family, why there's a very strained relationship between she and her parents. It has been noted and her husband has said, and you guys, I'm not like glorifying Jill and her husband because her husband has like extremely bigoted views. He's just as anti-trans as the rest of them. Like, you know, he got kicked off the show in his own right. However, the narrative that we have been getting for the most part is because the the reason why they are like on the outs of the family, they're estranged from the family is because her husband um, basically told on Jim, Bob and Michelle 
that they were not getting compensated. None of the children were getting compensated for being on the show. But not only that, that Jim Bob had lied to them and said that they were not getting compensated for being on the show, that the only sort of compensation they were getting was, you know, taking trips and doing these special activities that they were being paid for by TLC. That none of the money that they made was because of the show, right? So it's been, they've had a very strained relationship for quite some time. They have put up safeguards against Jill and said, oh, we can't have Jill in the house unless somebody, unless one of the parents are in the home or we, you know, she can't spend time with the younger kids unless she's supervised. Safeguards that were not put in place for Josh because after he got fired or, you know, chose to resign from the Family Research Council in D.C., he um, goes to a, a rehab, more on that later, um, for six months. Anna has to move back into the house. And eventually after he gets out of this, you know, rehab, he and his family are living on the Duggar property, not in the big house, but on a home on that same plot of land. So (sighs) fucked up, right? (laughs) Fucked up that Jill simply standing up for herself and trying to seek some sort of like independence or, you know, (laughs) autonomy on her own that she gets punished far more way more than Josh ever did in terms of access to the family access to the home relationships with his siblings disgusting so in episode two of season one they start off the episode with an interview with Anna Josh's wife Um, At this point, they had been married about four years. I think she had four kids or maybe five kids at this point. And she's sleeping in Jana's bed. She's back in the girl's room um, with her four kids. And she's, you know, trying to make it seem like, oh, this has been like kind of nice to be back in Arkansas and with the girls and I can have sister time and we have all this precious moments together, you know, planning baby showers and, you know, what a fun season in life we are. But also my husband's in some sort of like rehab for his, you know, uh, sex addiction and, um, you know, I'm forced to raise all these children on my own, right? Um, clearly she was not set up financially. Girls don't have any sort of formal education. Um, they ask the million dollar question, are you going to be staying with Josh? And she really has to struggle to answer no or yes. Yes, she is. And she says, you know, I understand that there are people who say, that I am completely justified if I want to leave this relationship. However, I respect that. But when I made, when I got married, I made vows to God and to Josh for better, or for worse till death do us part. And, you know, God extends so much grace to me and I vow to be a, an extension of God and to extend that grace to my husband. This is a woman who had 
every opportunity to leave. If you guys don't know, she is part of, you know, the same sort of fundamentalist Christian sect that the Duggars are. She says she knew before they started courting that she and her parents came over to the house. Uh, Josh confessed everything and it was like a, you know, just before we moved to the courting phase, I just want to let you know everything. Here's my testimony, yada, yada, yada. Now it's been, there, there's another element to this is that there within that like fundamentalist fundy world, there are like hierarchies and families, right? And apparently the Duggars were like fundy royalty and that Anna's family, not so much. And so her marrying into the Duggar family was kind of a come up for that family. Um, Anna never had a chance, much like Josh. She never had really the option to do or live the life that, you know, basically this was all written in the stars for lack of a better phrase. So Anna says, you know, she was like a proud by Josh's transparency and telling her and her family, you know, what he walked through. They use that phrase a lot. And that, yeah, they made the choice to continue on with this relationship. And she says, you know, when those files came out that it was like having to relive it all over again. She's like, nothing that I read in there was a surprise, but it was shocking to see it written down in paper. Um, so she, she made the decision to stay. And when I say she made the decision, I want to be clear that like, she did have options I mean, she didn't have options in the sense that, like, clearly this woman is brainwashed and has no sense of, uh, you know, self-worth. But her family is fractured in the sense that some of them are still in this fundamentalist Christian life. Others have defected. And her brother has been very vocal, especially around that time, that come live. That he really wanted Anna to come move in with him, divorce Josh start her life over and she chose not to um chose might not be the right word again because i think that anna is like a completely lost soul who really does not feel like she has any sense of uh, free will in her life um so here she is living at her parent her in-laws home in a room with you know small children And having to just, like, pretend like everything's okay. She said, you know, I, when everything happened, I cried until I couldn't cry anymore. And then I picked up the pieces. And then I started crying again. And, you know, they, they clearly chose to stay married. So, there have been some other claims not really verified but rumors that seem like they could very much be true regarding Josh being a repeat offender when it comes to his you know um love of pornography and uh his sexual addiction if you want to call it that so back in 2004 so we're talking when he was 16 so by definition 
the definition that Jim Bob gave us in that Megyn Kelly interview, he would be considered a pedophile at that point, but apparently he was working on a politician's campaign. That politician is named Jim Holt. There have been pictures and, and, uh, I believe they were even on 19 kids and counting or 17 kids and counting. Um, they clearly had, uh, the Holtz had a close relationship with the Duggars and there had been claims like, okay, so Jim Holt lost his campaign and he, I guess, had this shit fit and was looking at anything or anyone at all to point the finger as to why he lost. He did some digging and he found a quote, sin in the camp by way of finding out that Josh had been looking up porn on the work computers. Also, okay, so now let's cut to 2015. Let's jump back. So, uh, Josh goes to this, like, rehab for his sex addiction and his porn addiction. It is called... Reformers Unanimous, but I think at this point it's called RU Recovery. So this place is some bullshit. It is not accredited. There are no medical doctors on the campus. There are a national, I believe there are 31 locations. It's some bullshit. It's some Christian bullshit. I mean, if you go to the website, it's rudecovery.com. It's excuse me, rurecovery.com, they describe themselves as a faith-based recovery program bringing transformation to hurting people and communities everywhere. I mean, the description of what it is that they do is incredibly vague and and intentionally so, I would believe. Um, They talk about how there's a cure for addiction and they're based in Rockford, Illinois. So clearly the research that I found was that they are kind of what Josh was doing when he first got caught, when he was a 14 or 15 year old, um, that it's like hard labor and Bible, Bible and work that you're supposed to wake up at four 30 every morning. You do Bible study, you attend church twice a week, you, um, and you, and then in between that, you do eight hours of hard labor. I don't know how that's supposed to cure somebody from addiction. It literally is just like grow a relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And congratulations, you're cured. It's a six month program. Um, it's really just seems like bullshit. Truly, truly, truly. There have been reports and rumors that Josh didn't really even do the six-month program because you're supposed to stay there for the entirety of the six months. But there were claims that, you know, they had flight logs of, because the family owns a plane, John David is a pilot, that there were flight logs of them going to Rockford in uh, around Thanksgiving and that he was probably there over Christmas and he wasn't attending things. There were people saying, you know, he's supposed to attend these church services because they're the Rockford location is in conjunction with a, a Baptist church nearby. And the attendees were supposed to go to church twice a week, Wednesdays and Sundays. There were people saying that there had multiple weeks that went by without Josh being there. No sign of him at all. There were reports of, um, 
photos posted around Christmas that had been posted on the family's accounts and their website and that there were clearly cropped out, you know, a, a body with a head cropped out that had been taken down. Um, I wasn't able to find this picture. So all of this stuff is just rumor, but it just seemed like not only was where they sent him complete bullshit, but also he wasn't even being serious about the bullshit that he was attending. Okay. Um, it's God. I mean, truly this man never had a chance. There were also reports that maybe Josh had gone back after his initial um, six-month tenure where everybody was saying, oh, he's cured, we're so happy he's back, he's a new man, everything is great for us, everything's coming up Millhouse for fucking Josh, and like I said, there were rumors that he went back in 2017, the whole family went up there at some point during 2017, He they had a pizza party, um... And then we get to 2019. Things have been basically laying low for Josh. The counting on, Jill and Jessica counting on became counting on as it, the, the storylines were opening up to more of the siblings uh, getting married and having babies, blah, blah, blah. So 2019, November, there are reports that Homeland Security and the feds came to Josh's car dealership uh, where he owned a car dealership, a used car lot, and they had come and the feds did a sweep. They did some research. The car dealership was very quickly shuttered. Uh, The family said, we don't know what anybody's talking about. As far as we know, none of our family's being investigated. Our house was not being investigated, even though Homeland Security issued a statement that said that, yes, the home was investigated in this sweep. They claim, uh, we don't know her. We don't know what's going on. Everything is fine. You know, rumors, rumors. We're, you know, the victims of so many rumors and, you know, nothing's happening, but it was. So everybody was like, what's going on here? Because Homeland Security doesn't just, you know, investigate people for no reason. We didn't hear anything. So that's November of 2019 until this past Thursday, late April, for those of you who are listening later, of 2021. News comes out, Josh got arrested and there's no details at first as to why, but it was a federal hold. He was staying there until bond was announced and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, maybe he had, cause there would also been, he had gotten caught up in some real estate stuff and some fraud stuff with that, but I'm thinking, okay, well, if they came to his work and it's the feds, to me, I'm thinking feds come that it is the result of some sort of financial situation, some scam that he got hooked up. You know, I've got Jen Shaw on the brain, right? So on Friday, there was a Zoom hearing with the uh, U.S. District Court for the Western District of Arkansas in which Josh is charged with two counts of 
receiving and possessing images of child sexual abuse. Um, he pled not guilty to the two charges against him. And, uh, you know, the lawyers say that they're going to aggressively pursue these claims against him and they're confident that he'll be exonerated. Okay. Um, so allegedly Josh used the internet to download material of child sexual abuse, some of which were, uh, depicts sexual abuse of children under the age of 12. And they say that this happened in May of 2019. If he's convicted, Josh faces up to 20 years of imprisonment and fines of up to $250,000 of, uh, for each count. So up to 500,000, right? Um, in addition to that, the chief magistrate said, you know, if he is awarded bail and that bail will be announced, uh, on, he's going to have a bond hearing on May 5th. If he gets bail set and he gets to be free, the Josh will have to be in a residence where there is no minor in the home, which to me sounds like an incredibly difficult situation because he does have to have a, he can't just live alone. He has to have a um, chaperone or whatever the word is. Um, somebody has to live with him. He cannot live alone, but he also can't live with somebody who has a child. Now, granted how they're part of this quiverful, we'll give as many kids as we can get situation. I don't really know how many of his siblings live a outside of the Duggar home because they still have 50, 11 kids left and that B aren't married with children themselves. I think there might be one brother who might live by himself and does not have children. Um, hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So this leads me to the Anna of it all. I just have questions. What is she, how is this going to work? How are they going to remain married if he can't live in the home? She at this point, and I forgot to mention you guys, before these uh, before Josh got arrested, like two days or three days before, so within a week before of his arrest, Anna announced that she was pregnant with the girl, their seventh child. So we're saying 
this man has had six children and one on the way. And at some point in 2019, he received and possessed, specifically solicited, images of child sexual abuse of children under the age of 12. All of his children are under the age of 12. And I'm not trying to say that any of this has to do with his children, but it does. Because you have access to all of these children and you're seeking out images that would fit the profile of your kids. I just find it hard to believe that there was no sexual abuse happening within that home. I pray that there was not, but it feels unlikely. Um, also, you know, he's been living on the property, on the Duggar family property, since he came back from D.C., it just disgusts me the amount of access that he has had to children, both his own and other people's children. I am it, like, it makes me want to vomit. I really feel for Anna because she's in a nightmare of a situation but at this point, I feel like her hands are tied. She cannot continue to be married to this man. How, like, not even from a moral standpoint, that is clear. But from a legal standpoint, they wouldn't even be able to live together. I don't know, like, what sort of access he could... I. It just... It seems like from what little, I did very little research, you guys. I'm not going to claim to be an expert. Totally novice on this. But it seems like the laws are very shaky at best um, regarding, like, how a sex offender moves forward. Um, <clears throat> even if he is not outright convicted of this, I'm of the understanding that he still will not be able to have to be able to live in the house with a minor. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, he is the, uh, trial is set for July 6th. I think the pretrial is on July 1st. Um, I hope that he is forced to stay in jail this entire time. Um, I, I just feel for all those children. I, I don't know. And like I said, like there is just like a small little ounce of empathy given for Josh because nobody even attempted to help him in a real way. His parents 100% failed him. His faith has failed him or their faith has failed him. They really had no interest in trying to reform him at all. My question that <clears throat> I um, asked a uh, therapist, what is the likelihood that somebody who is accused of that sort of thing would, you know, like is, is somebody who is a serial child sex offender abuser or a pedophile what is the likelihood 
that this is something that can be like, in my words, fixed or reformed, or is it just a hopeless situation that at best could have been curbed? So shout out to the person who uh, responded to me, the therapist, and she made some great points. I don't know if she wants me to say her name. I'll just call you B. Okay. Um, so B says, you know, I'm a therapist and I think that there's a very large difference between an offending pedophile and a non-offending pedophile. The statistics for reoffending for offending pedophiles is not good. However, it's hard to say, you know, if they're truly unsavable or if it's because a lot of therapists don't want to work with them because of their own biases. Um, personally, I could never work with an offending pedophile. Um, I think we all have to look at the whole picture rather than just the label. Is this behavior due to trauma? Is it due to an actual attraction to children? Is it due to wanting power and to abuse? All of these questions can transform treatment. So if you're working with somebody with antisocial personality disorder, AKA a psychopath, you know, you're not supposed to use that term anymore. Um, and they have the behavior of targeting children, the chances for reform are slim to none. Um, her opinion on the culture that Josh was raised in and having zero consequences and being told that he is, you know, being blessed by being the firstborn son will make it very difficult for him to actually change. And I, she wants him to get help and change, but she's doubtful. And then she goes on to say, however, if we have an individual who was abused as a child and then goes on to abuse other children, it's actually something that with intensive therapy, it can be helped because at its root, that is a trauma centered issue. Um, in regards to people who have sex, who are sexually attracted to minors and have offended, I would say that the odds are slimmer, but if they genuinely do not want to harm others, then they can always, that's something that you can work with. And that's a huge positive in terms of their, you know, therapy. Um, so, I mean, it's just such a tangled web that is woven. It's such a, like I said, it's, you know, it's political power that is being wanted by this family. Um, it is a complete lack of empathy for the victims. It's, uh, you know, religion clearly plays a huge part in whatever sort of, you know, therapy or reformation they were trying to seek. If you can even call them trying to seek this out for Josh, it's just a lot. And it is just a very sad situation. I feel for the victims. Um, the family has, I. Uh, the family has issued statements, several members of the family. We'll start with Jill, who's now 29. She issued a joint statement with her husband, Derek, and they said, we just found out about this information yesterday. It's very sad. Jim, Bob, and Michelle said, we appreciate your continued prayers for our family at this time. The accusations brought against Joshua today are very serious. It's our prayer that the truth, no matter what it is, will come to light and that this will all be resolved in a timely manner. We love Josh and Anna and continue to pray for their family. Um, Ginger and her husband, Jeremy, um, did also did a joint statement and they posted on their respective Instagram accounts. We're disturbed to hear of the charges against Josh. 
While this case must go through the legal system, we want to make it clear that we absolutely condemn any form of child abuse and fully support the authorities and judicial process in their pursuit of justice. Um, Jessa also issued a statement that I can't find right now, but it was basically like, we don't support people who, um, you know, indulge in pornography of any kind and, you know, we're against it and we're, you know, prayers up for him. TLC also issued a statement and it is as follows. TLC is saddened to learn about the continued troubles involving Josh Duggar. 19 Kids and Counting has not aired since 2015. TLC canceled the show on the heels of prior allegations against Josh Duggar, and he has not appeared on air since then. Um, you know, a lot of people are calling for the show Counting On to be canceled. I am of two minds of this. I think... I wish that they would just write Jim, Bob, and Michelle off completely. I don't feel like we should see them, and I don't feel like we should see any of their minor children. I, If they want to continue the show, like, I feel like, why should the girls that are on the show, the adults, most of which who are victims of Josh... Why should they have their livelihoods be affected by his repeated disgusting behavior? That, to me, is not fair to them. The Counting On in the earlier seasons did not have Jim, Bob, and Michelle on No Talking Heads. You would see them occasionally in the background, but really not more than that. But in the years in the recent years, you see them a lot more. They're doing a lot more counting or talking heads and interviews. They're a lot more involved. Get them off. Get them off. I wouldn't mind the show continuing to be on air if we're just talking about the adults. I, I just don't feel like they should have to be punished because their brother's a pervert. Like, that's why is that? I mean, you know, that's not fair to them. Um, I guess we'll see. I mean, it seems like TLC has made it pretty clear. We don't fuck with Josh. He's a repeat offender. He hasn't been on our show. And, you know, TBD on whether or not they're going to continue the show. But it seems like they've made it very clear that they have separated themselves from Josh and they don't plan on canceling the show. Um, we also see Anna a lot on that show. I, I don't really know what to say about that. But, um, uh, yeah, you guys, it's just, just like a really, really hard situation. Like I said, May 5th will be the time where Josh has his bond hearing. Rotten hell. Rotten jail. The picture of his mugshot was so telling to me. Like, it just seems like a man who has no clue. His eyes seem very glassy. He would not be what I consider sober. Like, he's kind of giving Donald Trump Jr. And that, like, something is happening there. I don't think the man is sober. And I don't think it would be that far off to... If, if we found out that he, there was some sort of, like, substance abuse happening with him, like, I mean, nothing about 
him being a shitty person would shock me. Not that substance abuse makes you a shitty person, but you know what I mean. Like, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if, like, in addition to all the things that we have heard about Josh, that there was also some sort of substance abuse issue happening. Um, I guess that's it. Is that it? I think so. <sighs> Prayers up for the victims, you guys, for real. Um, this was hard. This was hard, but necessary. So I guess we'll see what happens. I'll keep you guys updated on the main show if, when, and if we hear the news. So with that, you guys have a great day. Try to, all right, talk to y'all later. Bye.